there's a big difference between training for something and just like going through the motions and exercising. Hey everyone, I'm Morgan, co-founder of Primal Kitchen and host of the Primal Kitchen podcast. In this episode, we're chatting with world-famous endurance athlete and health and wellness entrepreneur, Eric Hinman, a five-time Ironman participant, Leadville finisher, and top CrossFit competitor. Eric's experiences as an athlete inspired him to become an early stage investor in several consumer wellness brands. Today, Eric's going to be talking about the benefits of sauna and cold exposure and sharing his tips on how to design your life around wellness habits so that you can become the best version of yourself. Before we get started, a brief reminder that any and all opinions and views shared by hosts and guests on this podcast are the speaker's own and do not represent the view of Primal Kitchen or its affiliates or parent company. Hey, Eric, how are you? I'm doing awesome. How are you, Morgan? I'm great. It's so good to connect. I'm excited to have you here. Thank you. Yeah, I, I like your setting there in uh, in Michigan. It looks, yes. uh, looks beautiful on the on the east. <laughs> yes, we are living that Midwest summer life. I mean, there's just no place better in the world than the Midwest summer, in my opinion. So, can't agree more. And you are where? Where in the world are you? I am in Denver. I just finished a mountain bike ride. It's beautiful here today. Although we've gotten a lot of rain this this uh, spring, and it literally looks like Kauai out my my kitchen window. Um, the trees are just in full bloom. The grass is really green. Not the typical arid yellow uh, desert terrain that we have here in the summertime. Yeah, that sounds very Midwest. We we got a similar phenomenon in Southern California. We had like the craziest super bloom ever this spring. Like there's these mustard plants by my house that are like 13 feet high. It's nuts. People have lived there for 40 years, so they've never seen anything like it. So we're we're with you there. Um, awesome. So I want to know how you got into this. Have you always been into fitness? Like how did you get here? What inspired you to do your first Ironman? How'd you get into CrossFit? Like give me the background. Yeah, so I in high school I played three sports. I played basketball, I ran cross country and I ran track and I thought I was going to be Michael Jordan someday. I would play basketball in my parents' backyard for 3 hours every single night with my tongue sticking out, telling my dad to lower the hoop so I could dunk. And uh, in college, I got into weightlifting, but very vanity-based. It was bench press and bicep curls and just preparing for spring break, pretty much. And then after college, I got pretty out of shape in my early 20s. I was driving 50,000 miles a year. Um, my first business was selling property and casualty insurance, going door-to-door. And oh I put on quite a bit of weight and certainly did not look the way I look now at 42 when I was 22. Okay, and, wait, what are we talking here? A lot of weight. Like, how out of shape were you? You got to break it down for me because this is inspiring. Because I look at you and I'm like, you're so fit, but are you just one of those like blessed, blessed people that was just born this way? So I want to hear exactly how out of shape you were. Yeah, I mean, I was 205 at my peak and I probably had 20 to 25% body fat. I mean, right now I weigh 180, which is kind of heavy for me, but my body fat is probably 9% right now. In my Ironman years, it was closer to six and a half or 7% and I weighed 165. So I've never been one that like easily put on weight, but you know, I was only working out three days a week for 20 or 30 minutes and I was consuming alcohol and I thought Subway was my healthiest option when I was on the road. So I didn't have a ton of education around, you know, how to fuel myself and I didn't have the structure I have now of training two to three hours a day. Yeah. Did you feel different? Like besides just looking different? 
oh my God, I felt so different. But you don't know until you start pulling things out and implement, implementing new things in. So for example, if you eat ice cream every single night, like that's the norm. You just, you know, that's you feel good immediately afterwards and then you crash afterwards and you probably feel like shit the next morning when you wake up. But that's the norm if you're doing it every single day. And I thought it was normal during that time period to have a lull in the day, like to be sleepy in the afternoon and to have, you know, energy and mood swings. I just thought that was normal. And it really wasn't until I got into Iron Man that I realized, wow, like I was only functioning at like 60% back then. And, you know, through the Iron Man years, I went from, you know, 60% to 98% of what I think my peak output, peak energy, peak mental clarity, peak emotional well-being is. So it's crazy how all of those things are interrelated. And it was really those Iron Man years where I started to make that link of, you know, gut health and brain health and and how you fuel yourself and how much energy you have. And just like being the best version of myself through those self-care practices. Yeah. So you're driving 50,000 miles a year. You're selling door-to-door insurance or something along those lines. How do you get, how do you decide you're going to do an Ironman? So I hired a personal trainer when I was 24, 25, and I spent about a year and a half just dedicated to him five days a week, 30 to 45 minute workouts, doing CrossFit before CrossFit was really a thing. He had me lifting moderately heavy weights, doing complex lifts like back squats, deadlifts, thrusters, and then he had me rowing and running in between sets. So, you know, it's basically lifting heavy weights with my heart rate elevated. And I mean, I shed a ton of weight. I went from 205 down to probably probably 175 during that year and a half time period. And, you know, all of a sudden you could see my abs again and I had definition in my arms. And I also started running and playing tennis during that time period. So I was doing some aerobic conditioning and I bought a mountain bike, which I had for maybe two months, but there weren't many mountain bike trails in upstate New York where, where I was from, which was Syracuse at the time. And a bunch of my friends had these really fancy bikes that had four handlebars on them. And I was really intrigued by what they were. So I asked, like, what do you do with that bike? Like, it's not a road bike. Like, why are you in that weird position on it? You know, hunched down with your back parallel to the to the <laughs> to the wind. And they're like, there's a half Ironman coming to Syracuse. And I'm like, what's a half Ironman? A triathlon where you swim 1.2 miles, you bike 56 miles, and then you run a half marathon. And I'm like, you can do that in a day? And they're like, yeah, people do it in under five hours. So I was really intrigued by that. So I signed up for a sprint distance triathlon, almost drowned in the swim. I had to side stroke and backstroke my way through, passed a bunch of people on the bike. Do they do the swim first? Swim is, is always it? first. Yeah, it's swim because by course. You're afraid you are going to pass out, right? And then Correct. Drown. Yeah. Okay. yeah, you don't, you don't want to swim after in a, in a full Ironman after running the marathon and biking 112 miles. That that would be tragedy. <laughs> so, yeah, so you almost pass out during the swim and then you still have to do this 50-mile bike ride. And- exactly. Exactly. So, but I started small. I mean, I started with a sprint. I did that, you know, thought that was crazy. And then I I did an Olympic distance triathlon, which is half of what a half Ironman is. Um, Thought that was crazy. And then I did a half Ironman. After the half Ironman, I told my girlfriend at the time, I'm never doing that again. That was a horrible idea. And then like 45 minutes later, I'm signing up for Ironman Lake Placid the next year. So the sport just like sucked me in. And it's one of those sports where you want to just keep seeing how far and how fast 
fast you can go. And I, I honestly became obsessed with the process, which is good. Like you want to be obsessed with the process instead of the outcome because, you know, that creates longevity with it. So I hired a coach and that coach taught me a really valuable lesson that there's a big difference between training for something and just like going through the motions and exercising. So he taught me zone two heart rate training, how to burn fat for fuel, the Maffetone method. Um, and endurance sports are all about having an aerobic engine and being really durable. So we really backed off on the intensity that I was going at because I was used to these high intensity 30 to 45 minute CrossFit sessions. And I thought that was exercise. Like you had to go really hard and be like flat on your back afterwards. And when he slowed me down to a 130 heart rate on my runs, I'm like, dude, I could do this forever. Like, I don't even feel like I exercised. And he's like, I know I want you to feel like that because I want you to do it again tomorrow and the next day. And four years from now, you're going to be way faster because you trusted this process. And sure enough, he was right. When I first started working with him, I was running about an 8.30 per mile pace at a 140 heart rate. And fast forward to 2014, um, just before Ironman World Championships, I was running 20 plus miles at a 6.25 pace and a 129 heart rate. And it was from doing very, very little intensity work. It was just from zone two heart rate training, but I did a lot of volume. Interesting. Now, okay, we have to rewind a second because you just mentioned like some cool things in the training, like the zone two heart rate training. Like, give me a synopsis of those three or four things you just mentioned. What are those? Yeah, so the Maffetone method is uh, taking your age and subtracting it from 180, and that's approximately what your aerobic heart rate is. Um, I mean, the best way to do it is to go and run a 5K all out, see what your average heart rate is, and then take about 80% of that, 75 to 80% of that, and that's going to be around your zone two heart rate. And I mean, it's something that you can do where, you know, you're, you're you can have a conversation with someone, but you're taking a breath in between each sentence. So it's, uh, it's, the idea is that number is where you want to be training. Correct. Yeah. I was training for me at a 130 to 140 heart rate. My max heart rate during that time period was about 177. So all of almost all of my training was at that heart rate. 80% of my training was at that zone two heart rate. And that allowed me to do a lot of volume, you know, in big build weeks, I was running 60 plus miles. I was biking 300 plus miles and I was swimming 15,000 plus yards. So it allowed me to do a lot of volume where you can't do that type of volume. You know, if you're going out and just doing lots of threshold sessions, and there was a time and a place for the high intensity work, but you know, it was at a very high intensity and it was for a very short amount of time. Got it. And are you still doing Ironmans today or have you retired from your Ironman days? I haven't fully retired. I still like endurance endeavors. I'm doing Leadville this year, the bike race. So I still okay, tell like people what Leadville is because I know I lived in Colorado, but a lot of people don't know. Yeah, Leadville is a 104-mile mountain bike race. They also have the famous 100-mile run. And it starts at in Leadville, which is at 10,000-plus feet. Um, the entire race, you're not below 10,000 feet. I believe it climbs to 12,500, and there's about 15,000 feet of elevation change. So just like a long day in the mountains, mountain biking, and um, it happens one week before the run. I mean, there's a lead man where you do the run, the bike, a marathon, a 10K. Like there's there's always another level in Colorado. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love that. Okay, so you are still doing, you're doing the Leadville bike. 
I'm doing Leadville. I haven't done an Ironman since 2014. Uh, you know, I'll never say never, but right now I'm really chasing this CrossFit chapter of my life. I'm getting really close to getting to the CrossFit games in my age group. Um, there's only 10 spots in each age group, so it's really, really competitive to get there. Um, so the last four or five years, I've been really focused on anaerobic conditioning. So, you know, very, very high intensity workouts and strength training, just trying to get as strong as humanly possible while still having a really good engine. So this is like the opposite of your Ironman training kind of. They lend themselves to each other some, but the training is definitely very different. I typically don't go, I, I don't do anything longer than 60 minutes aerobically right now so that I can hit high intensity workouts and I can hit heavy strength training sessions. Um, so I've backed way off on the long endurance stuff and I've really upped the volume with strength training and, and the high intensity intervals. I love it. So what does like training look like for you these days? Five days a week, I'm in the gym for about two hours doing CrossFit type training. So, you know, that would be complex lifts like back squat, deadlift, Olympic lifts like snatch, clean and jerks, um, gymnastics, accessory work, and anaerobic conditioning. So short, high intensity intervals or fairly short metabolic conditioning workouts. Um, and then seven days a week, I do something aerobic. Like I just got in from a mountain bike ride a little while ago. Um, my aerobic conditioning is, is generally mountain biking just cause I'm prepping for Leadville right now. I'll run one or two days a week. Um, and if I'm doing a high rocks race or, you know, a marathon, half marathon, anything like that, I'll ramp the running up for about two months, but I'm not running a ton right now just because that really affects my ability to maintain weight and also my ability to lift heavy. So mountain biking, 60 minutes a day, five days a week, and then maybe running, hiking, rucking twice a week, 45 to 90 minutes in those sessions. What is rucking? Rucking is hiking. You could do it walking too, but for me, it's going up a mountain with a go ruck pack on that has generally a 40 pound plate in it. So Colorado, you're just like so Colorado. How did you, I mean, you should, should, you're like living, you could be one of those like Instagram reels about Colorado, like the Subaru, the whole thing, huh? I know, I know. I I should get a commission for all of the people that I've enticed to move to Colorado, like a portion (laughs) of their tax revenue. (laughs) You should. Let me know how that works out. I might want to switch careers. That sounds like a good gig. Um, So what does diet look like for you over the years? Yeah. So, you know, I'm obsessed with Primal Kitchen Buff Sauce. Um, Diet for me is I build my calories throughout the day. So I eat pretty light early on. Um, I have coffee with maybe some MCT powder, collagen in the morning. I have some supplements, um, creatine, colostrum, um, generally some some type of like vitamin mineral supplement, like an athletic greens or a beam core. Um, go to the gym, hit my workout. I might bring a bar with me, a couple hundred calories just to have some carbs or a banana, some kind of fruit if my session is like really high intensity or heavyweight. And then what after kind of bars are you buying? I'm very curious. Um, I like Tiro Bar, which is a company out of Miami, just four ingredient bar. I've never heard of this. What's it called? Yeah, Tiro Bar, T I R O B A R. I like really- all natural things. So, you know, four or five ingredient type products. Um, not a big fan of like sugar alcohols or, you know, anything that has 30 plus ingredients in it. So I'm, I'm looking for for things that, you know, are basically like a carb, a date, some kind of nut, and maybe a a natural sweetener, like honey, maple syrup. 
Um, so I might bring that with me to the gym. And then afterwards, I'm either doing a smoothie or I'm doing eggs and chicken sausage. Pretty basic in the smoothie, banana, some kind of generally plant-based protein powder, um, some bl frozen blueberries. I like slate milk a lot. I'll generally put that in for the base, but I don't mind just regular milk either. Um, some kind of nut butter, and that's about it in, in the smoothie. Pretty basic. Um, and then after my afternoon session, if I'm hungry, I'll have another smoothie. Same thing. And then at dinner, I'll have a big dinner. I'll do a ribeye, a strip steak. I'll do burgers, I chicken thighs, salmon, some kind of carb like potatoes, rice, and then generally some kind of veggie, some zucchini on the grill, a salad. Um, but I'm doing a pretty big serving of meat to get a lot of protein in in the evening. Um, and then I'll snack on almond butter for a little snack before I go to bed in the evening. So dinner is my biggest meal. And I mean, I found for me, there's a direct correlation between food volume and mental clarity. And I like feeling super on throughout the day, almost, you know, in ketosis without testing. Um, so I don't eat a lot, just enough so that I'm not hangry throughout the day and just enough so I have energy to hit my workouts and to have fuel for my mind to perform. But yeah, if I have like a big steak in the middle of the day, I feel like lethargic afterwards. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of like that too. I, I like this progressive eating thing that works for me too. Well, you, you mentioned plant-based protein is it, do you avoid like whey or collagen and stuff like that? Are you, what's the deal with the plant-based protein? No, I don't completely avoid it. Um, some ways bother my stomach. So I think a lot depends on how it's sourced. Um, but no, I don't completely avoid it. I, I drink power. Have you ever tried primal fuel? I haven't tried Primal Fuel. No, you said some. I love collagen too. I've I've taken collagen for years. I mean, I, I worked with Vital for a long time. Um, I have to try yours in a smoothie. Yeah, I'll send them both to you. Our I like Primal Fuel is like funny for those listening. Like this is a product like nobody cares about it. Primal Kitchen. Like I am not trying to pit Primal Kitchen sales here. It's like a product. I think if I said tomorrow we were going to discontinue it, people would be like, yeah, that's fine. I don't, not the people who eat it, but it marks had it forever, but it is like the best tasting whey protein powder on the market. I'm obsessed with it. I'm obsessed with our collagen fuel too, but um, I was just curious if there was like a preference for some reason to plant protein or plant-based protein powder, but um, interesting. Okay. So did, did anything change for you when you were doing Ironman versus like CrossFit or do you think this diet has kind of been like around for you the whole time? No, my diet was drastically different during those years. Uh, Iron Man years, it was a very high fat diet. Um, not a lot of meat and a lot of veggies, uh, high fiber diet. So I was doing lots of avocados, nuts and seeds, big salads, lots of, I would do white meat, but man, I didn't have red meat for a very, very long time. And it was just, I don't know, I'm an all in type of person. Um, and for me, that worked really well to burn fat for fuel. You know, I was reading a lot of stuff that Ben Greenfeld and Dave Asprey and people like that were putting out during that time period. And it seemed like the high fat diet was the right way to go to be both lean and also to not be, to not be burning carbs for fuel to have like a, this big fuel tank for all these endurance endeavors I was doing. And then the last three years has been very protein heavy, very red meat based, um, kind of the exact opposite direction of what I was doing then. And I've put on a lot of muscle mass since then, you know, at my peak of triathlon, I weighed 163 and right now I'm probably 185. So I've put on 20 pounds since that time period. Um, and you know, that's my goal is I want to be 185, maybe even 190 to be competitive in CrossFit, just have to be heavier to move the, the heavy weight necessary in CrossFit competition.
Yeah. Um, it's interesting. So my psychotherapist that I've been seeing for 20 years since I was like 20, well, not 20, 15 years since I was 25. He, um, I brought him on the podcast and, you know, in therapy, like I don't talk much about him, right? I'm paying him some talk about me, but I brought him on the podcast because he's like a, he competes in amateur triathlon all over the world and he's like 80 something. Okay. So he's been competing, was competing in like the 70 plus triathlon range. And He's been competing for decades and I asked him about his diet and he has been eating filet mignon for dinner for like when he was competing seven nights a week, filet mignon for dinner for like 20 years. Cause he mm-hmm. was like, it's all about the red blood cells and that's how you have recovery. And I just like thought that was so interesting. It's this tangential side note. Do you feel different on like the more keto diet versus the more, I don't, it's almost like you're more paleo now and you were more keto before Agreed. or. Agree. I mean, the thing that really affects my mental clarity is carbs. If I eat too many carbs, I feel like that really affects my my mental clarity and my creative ability. So, I do still, you know, lower carb for how much I train for sure. And yeah, the the protein and um, smoothies, it, it's really, I feel about the same as I did during that time period. I, I have more energy now, but that's probably a factor of not working out as much. Like those long endurance sessions, there's certainly a high afterwards, but you know, I would crash later in the evening and be pretty exhausted, you know, come dinner time. Whereas now I feel like my energy levels are high right up, right up until my head hits the pillow. So, um, you know, it could be a factor of eating more red meat, but probably also a factor of doing less training volume, but at a higher intensity. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, Now, I know this about you. We've only connected just for folks listening. We've had like one 30 minute conversation. We got connected through mutual friends, but you have like a pretty cool wellness regimen going with like people at your house, don't you? You've got, you're big into cold plunge and cold plunge and sauna. So I want to talk about that and how that like factors into your training too. But I also just like give the listeners an idea of what it's like over there you're in your wellness home that you've created. Yeah. I mean, tonight we'll have about four people here to do contrast therapy. So we crank our Sisu sauna at 200 degrees. Um, we can turn it up to 230 if we want to, but I found that's a little uncomfortable for most. We'll sit in there for about 15 minutes, 20 minutes, and then we'll do about three to five minutes in the ice barrel and we'll do two to three rounds of that. And I mean, that you call contrast therapy, contrast therapy, going from hot to cold, to hot, to cold, to hot, to cold. Um, and what sauna did you mention? Sisu sauna, S-I-S-U. It's a barrel sauna with a hum heater, um, fits eight people, and it just cranks. It heats up in 45 minutes, and, I mean, you can run that thing at 2.30 the entire time with a bunch of cold bodies getting in and out of it. So it holds it holds the heat really well, and it gets hot really quick. Um, I mean, I, I think a lot of people listening to this probably know the, the benefits associated with, you know, reducing all-cause ca- mortality, uh, reducing inflammation, um, the stress resilience benefits benefits of it, um, the cardiovascular benefits of it. But for me, it really is about human connection too. Like I've had some of the best conversations of my life in the sauna. So we use that as a community bonding tool where, you know, friends, new people that reach out to me, it's just kind of a open door policy of people coming here every night and doing that with us. And that's how I formed a lot of my deep friendships. That's where a lot of like creative ideas come up. That's where a lot of businesses, business opportunities come up is, is in the sauna. So 
So that's one of the reasons why I like doing it every single night for the physical, mental benefits, but also bonding with people, meeting new people. Um, so every single night from five until 7.30, we have that thing cranking and there's people passing through. And our backyard is a gym. I mean, we turfed 1,200 square feet. Um, I have a big rig that has a rope attached to it, rings for muscle-ups, squat racks, pull-up bars. We have multiple rowers, runners, GHD machine, assault bike, ski ergs. So, I mean, the, the house is just kind of a wellness compound. We have an indoor sauna. We have red light therapy. Um, we have PEMF mats. Uh, you name it. We have it. <laughs> oh my God, I love it. Um, what red light therapy are you doing at your house? We have the Juve panels. Okay. Cool. Uh, this sauna looks cool. I really want to get my husband's like gonna listen to this and be so jealous because this is like his dream. I think we're you're, you've inspired me. We need to like create a wellness sanctuary. We have our we have a garage gym that's pretty legit. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think we need to up our game. Like it's so legit. Adam's like worried about moving because he's like, How are we gonna how will we move the exercise equipment? I'm like, we can get people to help us move the exercise equipment and be okay. But um, that's super cool. I think the community aspect of it is definitely something that is just like, it's underplayed. That is like such a big piece of it all, isn't it? It really is. I mean, Finland is consistently one of the happiest countries in the world. And I think there's almost one sauna for every person in Finland. And, you know, I, I don't know how much they actually knew about the health benefits when their sauna practice started. It all started because of that's where they they discuss important family matters and political things. And it's a place where they bond. And there really is something to being in a sauna and being really vulnerable with the other people around you. You know, you're in this captive environment with your endorphins racing. You have a very narrow aperture and your mind is really clear in the sauna. So it just lends itself well to incredible conversations and deep bonds forming. And you have that component too of like doing something uncomfortable together and this camaraderie that's formed over, you know, overcoming that, even though you can get out whenever you want. Most people end up staying, you know, a little past being uncomfortable. Yeah. And then you've got the whole, you add in the ice barrel on top of it. The I, How many ice barrels do you have? We have three. No way. Are they just all right next to each other? So everybody jumps in their own ice barrel at the same time? Yep. So cool. <clears throat> I love it. Um, that looks awesome. What do you think for folks listening who like, what would you recommend they do if they wanted to like start to create a community like this? Like, what do you think? How do you get into it? So, I mean, for me, it was finding something I was really passionate about. So it started with tennis. I mean, I, I, I was playing tennis every single day and met a lot of people in the tennis community and had lots of tennis partners. And then when I got into triathlon, my whole friend group was triathletes and people into endurance sports. And, you know, a lot of opportunities came from that too, business-wise, friendships. Um, and then, you know, as I've grown my following on social media, I have a lot of people that reach out. So, you know, at that point, I was like, well, I want to create my own thing instead of having to go places. Um, you know, I just want to have it all here for all of the people that reach out. So we have the place that everyone can come to. But, you know, I think if you are looking to initially meet people, it's going where those people are. So finding a gym that has a sauna and uh, a cold exposure um, tub and going to, you know, CrossFit is an amazing community of people. You know, if you enjoy CrossFit, that's a great place to meet people instead of going to a gym 
where you're putting your headphones on and not meeting anyone. So with a lot of this stuff I think about is uh, how can I multitask without multitasking? Like, where am I going to get the most bang for my buck in doing one thing that's going to serve me, but it's also going to serve so many other of my checklist things that I want to accomplish each day. So, um, yeah, a club, a place that has sauna and, and cold plunges, uh, a gym where you can meet people. And then once you start meeting those people, it's, you know, just creating it for yourself in your home if you want to be the the hub for it. Yeah, so cool. I want to be the hub for it. I'm going to be like, you should send me all your affiliate links. You're just going to buy Done. everything you have at your house and, and set it up. I'm, I'm excited. Um, so you, your career. So we talked about you door-to-door salesperson. So what happens after that? Yeah. So property and casualty insurance, that was 2002 until 2009. I actually still own that business. And my father, who was the one who initially gave me the opportunity, um, he now runs that business for me. Um, After that, I got involved in software. I I started a mobile application development company with some business partners, sold my shares in that in 2014, opened up a gym in 2013, um, a restaurant chain in 2016, another restaurant in 2019, 2020 that I co-founded. And then along the way, um, through Ironman, I built a following on social media and, you know, recognized the opportunity in like 2015, 2016 of that becoming a brand and a business. And, you know, I've really differentiated myself in that world of being more of a consultant to the brands I work with. So helping them seed product to influential people in the wellness space, helping them build ambassador programs, um, putting on community events. I literally do a community event now, probably every weekend, traveling around to different places, doing sweat crawls and community rocks and community cold plunges. Um, and I, I love connecting people and that's really been my jam for a long time. If I, meet someone and I, and I just kind of instantly think of like 10 people that they should be connected to where both parties can get value from it. So a lot of my time is spent just naturally connecting people. Um, so when I'm working with a brand, those are all of the things I'm doing, building their ambassador program, connecting them with, with others that can add a lot of value to what they're trying to do. Um, really amplifying awareness through in-person events and seeding product. And, you know, I've run business, lots of businesses. So I know that if someone is paying me, I have to provide an ROI. So I come into every, every relationship with, you know, how can I provide a ton of ROI for that brand? And that's a lot of why I work with the brands I work with. They're generally smaller up and coming brands where I can really move the needle for them with my connections. And I'm exposing my audience on social media to the latest and greatest. So cool. That's like quite an entrepreneurial career here. I mean, that's a lot of different things. What was the biggest failure? Um, I mean, the gym, I lost a lot of money on. Yeah, just it's interesting. I think entrepreneur is often deemed as success story or angel investor success story. But I think what people fail to see is that a lot of those investments go to zero. And a lot of those businesses you start don't end up, you know, making any money. It's really a reps and sets game where some of them do very, very well. And I've, I've had some good successes along the way. But like, I mean, the gym, I lost a lot of money on. So I've have 
had failures. I've had investments, many investments that have gone to zero. So, um, you know, it's, it's really risk mitigating, but also taking enough risks that you start to recognize how to risk mitigate. Um, and you know, you can really only learn that by either surrounding yourself with people that have gotten to where you want to go or by doing it yourself, failing and not making that mistake again. Yeah. It's very cool. What was your, what business did you have the most fun, like running or starting? I mean, I'm having a ton of fun with, with the business now, um, you know, building out these ambassador programs for brands. I feel like over the years with each business, they have become more friendship based, you know, all of the people I'm doing business with now, I mean, they're incredible friendships and relationships. Like they are not transactions whatsoever. And early in my business career, it was the exact opposite. You know, it was, it was very much like, how can I make more money? How can I make commission? How can I make another transaction? And, you know, I was like, you know, I thought about customer service, but I didn't think as much about, I call it the fly to Tokyo rule. Like would I fly to Tokyo with this person? Do I want to interact with them on a regular basis for hours on end? Because we are just in flow state when we're talking to each other. We're both adding a ton of value into each other's lives. We're connecting each other with people and opportunities. So I think through that now with anyone I work with, like, is this going to be a really good relationship and friendship where the sum is way greater than the parts. Um, so yeah, it, it, you really learn as, as you go, how to, how to build a business that is really soul fulfilling as opposed to just satisfying your ego. Yeah. Interesting. I was just talking to one, I, we built Primal Kitchen that way. It's like a lot of employee. Number one is my best friend from childhood. Like two people who have hired me in past companies. I hired at Primal Kitchen, like a few of my bridesmaids work for us still. It is, has, very much that feel. And I was just talking with one of our coworkers, one of my friends last week, and we were saying like, it just, you get to a point where, I don't know, I had a, like a lot of different careers in my twenties as well. And then you kind of come to realize like almost who you're working with matters more than what you're doing. Like, it's great. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm super passionate about Primal Kitchen. I love the brand. It's like my baby, you know, I talked about it at my wedding. Like it, it, clearly I'm a, a big fan, but the team makes like a a way bigger difference in my day-to-day life. I I love this Tokyo rule. I'm going to take that with me. Like if you don't want to go on a work trip with someone, do you really want to talk to them every day for, you know, a lot of hours? It's a lot of your life. It is. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay. So trends wise, what are you most excited about in health and wellness these days? Um, I mean, I've been doing sauna and cold exposure for a while now. Sauna dating back to 2011, sauna and cold exposure dating back to 2017. I mean, I think that is still hockey stick growth, but I think what what I'm most interested in is, um, having like aura rings, coros, whoops for what's going on inside. So understanding, you know, how that smoothie I just made is affecting my cortisol levels, my testosterone levels, um, my blood sugar levels, you know, basically like these continuous glucose monitors, but for all biomarkers, that's what I'm really interested in. I I think that is not something that has been tackled yet that 
can be tackled and is going to really help us optimize our individual bio-individuality. You know, like we're all different and different behaviors, different foods, sleep, all of these things have such a tremendous effect on our lifespan and health span. And if we can see what's happening in real time based on the decisions we're making, like I think that is going to make a massive impact for all of us to live our best lives. Okay, you mentioned the aura ring, the whoop, and then you said Koros. Koros is the is the watch I wear. Oh, okay, cool. Is what's it telling you? It's that similar the, to a gar. Wear? It's similar to a Garmin, where okay. you know it's going to tell you everything that you know a whoop or aura ring or Garmin will tell you: steps, HRV, sleep score, but you know also is tracking my uh, power on the bike and tracking distance and elevation gain. Yeah. What are you paying most attention to outside of like the fitness? Like I would imagine you're paying attention to heart rate and your distance, but like what, what metrics do you think are the most, are you like doing frequent blood work? Like what are you tracking in your own personal journey? Yeah, I am doing frequent blood work. I, I do that through our friends, blokes, uh, for men and joy for women. I'm doing that at least twice a year. Um, I, I think that's super important. I'm 42. So, um, you know, I actually recently had a scare. Uh, Josh will appreciate this story if he listens to this, the, the founder of blokes. Um, I got into this really bad habit of, drinking maple syrup at night. And it started very innocent where, you know, I was just having some frozen blueberries, a little almond butter and some maple syrup on top before going to bed. And then I realized like, I really like the maple syrup. Why don't I just like have the maple syrup? And I got to the point where I was like drinking maple syrup <laughs> at night. And Stop uh, it. <laughs> so I, so I did some blood work and it came back like pre-diabetic because I was spiking my blood sugar, sugar level so much before oh going God. to sleep. Yeah. yeah. So I stopped doing that and I would not have known that had I, you know, not had the blood work to see that. So I, I've stopped buying maple syrup completely just because I kind of became an addict. Um, so that's something I'm doing, but, uh, I mean, other things I track, the big things now for me are strength. Like I am following, um, a program called HWPO, which is Matt Frazier, you know, six time CrossFit games champion. I'm following his programming and, um, you know, it's all based on periodization of percentages of your one rep max. So sets and reps of all of those complex lifts, the Olympic lifts, gymnastics progressions, and then I'm doing high intensity intervals and I'm not really monitoring my heart rate with that. It's more perceived effort, but the strength component I am heavily monitoring because that is still my one weakness of getting to the CrossFit games is I have to get a little bit stronger. So that's been the big data point lately that I've been tracking. Um, I get really good sleep. So, you know, I haven't needed to track sleep in a while. I spent a full year dabbling with different sleep supplements and sleep protocols to dial in my sleep. And I've kind of done the same, you know, dating back to 2010 of each year, just picking something new to tackle, getting that on autopilot and then moving on to the next wellness protocol. Okay, What was the sleep solution? <laughs> So sleep things that I do, we set our temperature to 63 degrees. We have a chili pad on top of our mattress. I sleep with a sleep mask and earplugs. Um, I have a Dyson fan blowing on me. Um, I avoid highly stimulating environments late at night. So you'll very rarely catch me like entertaining big parties late at night, going to Red Rocks Amphitheater. I don't like doing super late night activities unless I'm really, really excited about it because that heavily affects my sleep. 
Um, I don't set an alarm. I don't schedule anything before 8.30, just in case my body wants the extra sleep. I'm generally in bed every night by 9 to 9.30, asleep by 10, wake up at 6 a.m. with no alarm. Um, I go outside in the morning, walk on the treadmill for a little bit, get morning light. Um, and then I take Beam Dream as a sleep supplement with a little bit of honey, like a teaspoon of honey. Um, I found that that mixture for me just kind of shuts my mind off at night. So I don't wake up with a racing mind. Um, I think that's the, the, the biggest key is like being able to get in a place where your mind is calm before you go to bed. You know, if you're like stressed out, answering emails, like thinking about tomorrow, anxious, like you're going to get a shitty night's sleep. You know, us type A personalities, we're going to wake up in the middle of the night with our mind racing. And then like you get your phone out, you look at bright light, you write down the seven things that you're thinking about, and then you can't go back to sleep. And um, sleep is so much about structure. If you get a few nights of bad sleep or you're waking up four times throughout the night, like that all of a sudden becomes the new norm for a while until you can get back into three or four nights of good sleep. So I'm really, really careful about my sleep routines to make sure that I stay in that consistent sleep routine of getting at least eight hours and not waking up throughout the night. Yeah. I mean, I have three kids under the age of five, so makes like- it tough. It is so brutal right now, but I, my little one is still nursing. I mean, he's not even one. So I, I'm, I feel like the end is somewhere in my future, but man, it is brutal. I used to be, I mean, I, I don't set an alarm either. I haven't set an alarm in like, I don't know, unless I have a flight and then I don't sleep because I'm afraid I'm going to sleep through the alarm because I never set an alarm, but I, yeah, that is a nice, it is a nice thing to not have to do that. I will say, um, interesting. Okay. So you mentioned you would pick like a different thing. What are some of the other things you've picked to tackle and what have you learned? Yeah. So, I mean, purposeful training was one of them, like understanding why I was doing the zone two heart rate training, why I was biking at a certain wattage, why I was swimming the sets I was swimming at the intensity. So purposeful training was, was the first one. And, you know, for me, that is the top of the food pyramid, you know, dialing in the movement, lifting him moderately heavy weights, um, doing some type of anaerobic conditioning for me, getting my heart rate above 155. And then, um, on the opposite day, doing some kind of aerobic conditioning. I think that is lifestyle fit. You know, if you do 45 minutes of strength training and anaerobic conditioning day one, and then day two, 45 minutes of aerobic conditioning, go back and forth, maybe take a day off each week. Like that's general lifestyle fitness. You'll feel good. You'll look good. Um, so getting the movement dialed in, I think is paramount for people because so many other things will fall into place. If you can dial that in, you know, generally you'll probably sleep better. You'll eat healthier. Um, you'll be interested in some of these recovery routines. You'll form better relationships. Your friend group will change. So all of these other things will um, create this positive snowball effect. Recovery was certainly one of them, like dialing in that contrast therapy routine. Um, for a while, I was doing yoga. That was one of the things that um, I started in 2018, 19. And I did that every single day for a year until that became autopilot. I un- unfortunately fell out of that routine, but I felt great when I was doing it during COVID. Um, you know, couldn't go to yoga studios. So I kind of lost touch with my yoga practice during that time period. Um, sleep was one of those years. Nutrition was one of those years. And I've had, you know, various years over, over time where I've put nutrition back on the table of like, okay, I want to try the, you know, kind of carnivore fruit honey diet. Okay. I want to try the, you know, more vegetable, high fat, high nuts and seeds diet and see how that affects me. Um, 
So th- those are the pillars. I mean, my, my four pillars of health are, you know, exercise, nutrition, sleep, and recovery. Yeah, makes sense. What about supplements? Are you taking a lot of supplements? Um, so I have access to a million supplements. Um, so, you know, I take more than probably I would if I was paying for a lot of them. Um, the main ones that I'll take with me, like if I'm traveling that I just can't go without. And again, I think like all of these do serve a purpose. And, you know, if you have a lot of disposable income and you want that extra 1%, I, I, I think supplements are kind of the icing on the cake. Like get those four other things down first and then focus on supplements for, you know, just that added one to 3% performance gains. But some of the ones that I take religious um, some type of caffeine, coffee, or, you know, a powdered coffee if I'm traveling and only have access to hot water. Um, MCT, I like a lot, putting MCT uh, powder into the the coffee. Collagen, I've taken for years, at least 10 grams, generally probably closer to 20 plus grams of collagen each day. Creatine, I travel with. I take oftentimes 10 grams, 5 grams pre five grams post, but there's so many studies about the positive um, neurological benefits of creatine now. So that's when I, I travel. Like creatine is having a moment. I feel like creatine is what all the football players drink in high school. Yeah. Everyone was like creatine. It's gross. And now it's like totally having a moment. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's going to be like a multivitamin type thing where like you do it to cover a lot of bases. Um, but what are, do you think you only should be taking creatine if you're like lifting weights or do you think everybody could benefit from creatine? I mean, there's so many studies showing and there's so many people in like the CTE space that are talking about the neurological benefits of it that I think men, women, regardless of age, regardless of whether you're lifting heavy weights, regardless of whether you're you know only running or doing endurance, I think it's beneficial. So I, I think it is... I mean, again, this is just from talking to experts in the industry around the neurological benefits of it, that it should be a staple supplement. I mean, it's so inexpensive that, you know, for 20 bucks a month, whatever it costs for, you know, your month supply, I, I think you would be doing yourself harm by not supplementing with a little bit. Um, so melatonin is another one I feel like with a lot of neurological, like there's some data coming out on the neurological benefits of melatonin. I take melatonin and I have for years. I mean, dating back to 2010 when I was having trouble sleeping because I just had so much energy from all of the businesses I was running and the high volume of training. So I started taking melatonin during that time period and I've had no adverse effects in the 13 years that I've been taking it. Um, I now take Bean Dream, which has melatonin in it along with other ingredients. Um, that's another one that I travel with and religious about taking that every night, 30 minutes before I go to bed. Um, so yeah, for me, major positive effects, you know, I think there's, uh, um, other studies that show that, you know, if you're pre puberty, maybe not the best idea. Um, you know, also in taking it, you might be stunting your ability to produce melatonin, but it's another one of those things that, you know, it's, pretty inexpensive. And if you do need it, it's not like an addiction to a thousand dollar a month type product. So um, the benefits for me of getting deep sleep day in and day out far outweigh, you know, any, uh, any reliance upon melatonin. <clears throat> yeah. Makes sense. What else are you traveling with? Anything else? Um, colostrum I take on a regular basis. I really like the studies behind colostrum. Um 
Do you have a favorite colostrum brand? Armra is what I've been taking for the last year, year and a half, ever ever since they launched. I like the taste of it. And, uh, you know, I, I never get sick. You know, there's a lot of other things I'm doing that obviously help with immune system. But I think that's one of those things, too, that help. I'll take beta alanine and L-citrulline pre-workout some days as a non-stimulant uh uh, pre-workout supplements. Um, I'll also sometimes take that before an afternoon session when I don't want caffeine in my system. I generally only have caffeine in the morning, like at 8.30. I, I rarely have it after that. So generally, if I want to have something else to ramp me up again, it's one of the, it's like a beta alanine or L-citrulline that I would have. Um, that's the apple cider vinegar I'll have just kind of for gut health and digestion, um, athletic greens, you know, just to cover all my bases and to have some, um, prebiotics, probiotics, adaptogens, ashwagandha, which is in some of the supplements I take, um, to regulate cortisol levels. So I take that. And again, like, I think the foundation is like creatine, definitely take collagen, definitely take. Um, caffeine for me, just the energy and mental performance I get from it. And then beam dream. Those would be my rotation that I'm not going a day without taking those. I love it. This is great. Thank you. Okay. Um, who's inspiring you these days? I just have a few more rapid fire questions for you. Yeah. So inspiration for me is based on what chapter I'm writing in life. And, you know, right now I'm definitely inspired by people at the top of like CrossFit. So CrossFit games athletes. And I'm fortunate that I get to train with a lot of those people. So they inspire me, just their ability to do so many things at a very, very high level. Um, creators. Uh, I really like, um, I just partnered with these two, these two young guys, actually three young guys who are helping me with short form and long form content. Uh, my buddy, Bobby, uh, who's here in Colorado and my, uh, friends, Jamie and Jace who are in Florida. They're helping me learn a lot of the kind of science behind creating really good video and a good hook and something that is super engaging for an audience to watch. Um, you know, I listened to Andrew Huberman. I, I really liked his podcast he just did with Tim Ferriss. I listened to that on the plane back from Nashville two days ago. So I'll tune in to, to him on a regular basis. Um, Sahil Bloom, I really like. He was recently at um, an, an HPLT, High Performance Lifestyle Training event that I went to that Brian Mazza runs. And Sahil spoke. Um, he's someone who was in the private equity world, um, got out of it because he wanted to be able to spend more time with his family. But but kind of had the golden handcuff, was making a ton of money, but um, recognized an opportunity with Twitter and newsletters and has since amassed a massive following and audience and um, now makes more money, you know, working way less than he was with his private equity job where he was just grinding day in and day out. So I love reading his newsletter. It's just really good lifestyle design tips um, and just like ways to live a really fruitful, opportunistic life. So I've been consuming his content a lot. Um, I'm, just, those, I'm signing up right now. You've like influenced <laughs> me. You're good at your job. <laughs> Thank you. He's great. You'll really enjoy his newsletter. It's like a five minute read twice a week. And I've been loving reading it. I mean, my peers like Brian Mazza, you know, big fan of what Brian's built um, with his HPLT lifestyle retreats and, you know, how he, he does a lot of the same things I do where he comes into every every single uh, relationship with how can I add value? How can I make sure that everyone is winning? How can I make sure the sum is greater than the parts? So I like surrounding myself with people like that. I love it. It's great. 
Um, okay. What is the worst thing you've ever done for your health? Oh man. Uh, getting blackout drunk in my late teens and early twenties. Uh, I mean, just looking back on that chapter of my life certainly had some very fun nights, but, um, Jesus, like how shitty I felt the next day. I can't believe I did that to myself, just knowing how good I feel now and how vulnerable and how authentic I can be just like through wellness protocols, as opposed to having to abuse alcohol to get to that place. I'm with you. I like pretty much stopped drinking. I mean, I started drinking early like you. I think I had like, you know, I was like a binge drinking normal, like CU grad. Yeah. I don't know, but we were, we were binge drinking in the Midwest in high school. And, I, but I then stopped like pretty much stopped drinking at, I don't know, 24 or something. And I like, think I'm, I don't know. I feel like that's served me well to stop, like to get past that. And then be like, I don't even like, I hardly drank like ever. And you just feel so much better. It's it's true. Same. Um, do you drink at all or not really? My rule of thumb is unless it's going to greatly enhance the experience, it's a no for me. So if I'm in Napa Valley at a high-end winery, like I'll have a glass of their wine. If I'm at a wedding and everyone's doing a champagne toast, I'll do a champagne toast. But, you know, I might end up having two glasses of wine and one champagne toast a year. It's very, very rare. Yeah, I feel you. I like that. Okay, my last question for you, I ask everyone this, but what's something most people don't know about you? I mean, a lot of people don't know the business background. So, um, you know, on social media, it's really been 2015 on where I'm perceived as, you know, just an athlete that has an interesting life of exercising and sitting in saunas and being in, you know, ice baths all the time. But, um, you know, business is still a huge component of my life. And I love building businesses and building brands. And um, yeah, I mean, I built all, you know, the insurance business, the software business, restaurants and gyms before I ever had any kind of following on social media. So, you know, I wear that hat on a very regular basis, in addition to what everyone sees on social media, which is generally me exercising with my shirt off all the time. I love it. You're like a closet CEO. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love it. Well, thanks. This was so great um, to chat with you. Real quick though, what companies are you invested in? I know I said this is my last question. I have one more, but what are some of the companies you're invested in that you're the most excited about? I just want to give a little plug. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm invested in Ice Barrel. I'm stoked for them. Invested in Masa Chips, which is a three-ingredient chip. Um, Slate Milk, which is lactose-free milk. They just partnered with the UFC, which is a, a massive for them. Um, partnered in Beam, which is that Beam Dream sleep supplement I take. They have other products that are wellness products. Um, Kane Footwear, Recovery Shoes, uh, 10,000. I was a very early investor in them. Men's Apparel brand. They'll be coming out with women's apparel here here really soon. The Real Cereal, which they're about to make a big splash. Um, just all natural cereal products. Um, I invest in a lot of the brands I end up working with. I would say half of the brands I, I work with, you know, I and I don't just get equity in exchange for services. Like I, I invest money in them. HVMN, um, super excited about everything they're doing, just uh, invested in them. HVMN is uh, it's like endurance for your mind. Uh, it's ketones. So it's ketones in a liquid form and it's just like brain fuel. 
um, it, it's similar feeling to, to a nootropic where you just have this calm energy and a very narrow aperture. Yeah, I love it. Okay. Tell everyone where they can find you. Instagram is the best place. My name, Eric Hinman, erichinman.com. But um, I love interacting with people uh, around wellness topics on Instagram. So any questions you have, any opportunities you want to present to me, just DM me on Instagram. Very cool. Thanks so much, Eric. It was great having you today. Thanks, Morgan.